Welcome to episode 293 of Crack the Customer Code, where great minds don't always think alike. Here we are again, talking about those millennials. Dun, dun, dun. It's like we can't go several episodes without bringing up this generation. <laughs> but there's a reason for that. It's because so many headlines, so much discussion about millennials. And now many of them are entering a different phase of adulthood. And just say it, Jeannie, quit the, beating around the bush, quit being nice because they're the next generation. They're destroying everything. <laughs> Actually, they're not destroying everything. They're doing lots of cool stuff, which I love, but they are wrecking some industries, are they not? Which is the point of this episode. Well, it depends what you define as wrecking, uh, but I will not say... Not having revenue or customers anymore and going out of business. How's that? <laughs> is that an acceptable, there is is that an acceptable that. definition? There is some of that. <laughs> well, here's the thing about these millennials. They are making decisions differently than other generations. They care about different things. And so what has always worked for certain industries is just not going to work anymore. And some of them are waking up to this too late, frankly, when things are going into bankruptcy, closing, all of what you just said. So today we want to really look at the future of this and figure out what can we do about this fact that millennials behave differently and act differently and care about things differently? How should you think about innovating your customer experience for these millennials. Right. So let's start by talking about some of the industries and uh, brands that are being affected by millennials shifting tastes. One, and this was mm -hmm. really interesting to me, was beer. Yeah. You know, you think young people yeah. and you think beer, but apparently not anymore. Not so much. No, they, they prefer wine and spirits. Yeah, apparently Goldman Sachs actually downgraded uh, Boston Beer and uh, I guess Constellation Brands, which I think owns a bunch of different beer uh, brands. Yeah. And yeah, that it's actually down like 1%. And when you're talking about something like soft drinks or beer, what 1% is huge. It's huge. huge. It's huge. And it's been consistently going down um, for the last decade plus. So yeah, that, that one was surprising. The other ones that stood out to me was uh, like designer brands, designer handbags and clothing. They don't care as much about that. And that one surprised me because I think our generation cared about that a lot <laughs> and kind of built some of those brands like Kate Spade and, um, you know, the designer bags in particular were huge. Like there were, there were episodes about designer handbags um, on Sex in the City, like there was there was entire episodes <laughs> about a handbag, <laughs> right. and it's like you think about the prominence of that, and now this group is kind of like, ah, eh, I need stuff that works, I need stuff that I can afford, I need things that are good for the earth, and I'm good. And so they're not looking at those labels as much, which is having a big impact on department stores and retail and you name it. Well, and also there's a shift too. I think that that one's multi-layered because there's a shift in which brands they like. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, not all designer brands are hurting, but some of the ones we associate with designer brands like Kate Spade and things like that are having trouble. So, you know, part of that is they're too popular and nothing that's is worse right. for a young person than something that's popular, right? Because it is not cool <laughs> then. 
You know, I had a, a friend in the dorms in college who I would just wait um, because he would buy a CD that was like on the of a band that was like on the verge of becoming popular. And then once they became popular, he would be like over it, you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, God, these guys suck now. And then he would just give me the CD and I'd be like, yes, yeah, score. we all knew those people in college. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like they're an entire generation of that person. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, you know, obviously sort of the big through line on millennials has been for quite some time now. Okay. They prefer experiences over things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think some of these you're finding that uh, trend and you're also finding, and thank you, Jeannie, for giving me an opportunity to say this, some macroeconomic effects as well. Hey, it's been a while, you know, I haven't been (laughs) dropping the economics, but you know, homeownership is something that is like at record lows with millennials. And that quite frankly is, has to do with the economy and just, Mm -hmm. they don't want to be, you know, they're delaying marriage and children. They don't want to be locked down or tied down Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, affording a home is just not what it used to be. Well, and I think there's a lot of, there's a lot around distrust of systems, financial systems, banking, um, even real estate in general, like they have lived through stuff and seen their families go through things that have really impacted the way that they look at organization and structure and all of that, because they're, they're self-reliant in some ways. They really want to be as self-reliant as possible and not put their faith in a system. Um, that's because, you know, and so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Changing. No, I was say, well, their defining economic moment was 2008. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, for, yeah, uh, for us, it was probably crisis. the dot-com bubble in, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's or, true. Well, yeah, for us, <laughs> it was gas lines for Carter, but, um, oh, well, for no. me. You, I don't remember that. that right, Jeannie? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I got to go get some Metamucil or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I can't believe I remember that. That's pretty scary. But you know, I mean, so yeah, all these things are defining it, but the problem is, you, you know, we're, t- we're going to sort of twist, uh, twist the narrative a little and try to pivot into innovation. But the catch is you can only innovate certain things. Some things right. are really structurally hard to innovate. So like Applebee's is not, uh, doing well with millennials, apparently. Right. Uh, Any of those fast casual even even Buffalo Wild Wings, BW three. I never I have never heard it called that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> really? Oh. But yeah, I mean, Midwest. so that's uh, but that's an issue. Um, one, they cook at home more. They do delivery, yeah. and they just eat fast fast food, fast casual, quick serve, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that I was looking at while we were thinking about this topic was this uh, chain of restaurants called Salad and Go. And what they figured out was that people absolutely want the convenience of fast food. They absolutely want healthy options, but they don't just want that one healthy option on the menu that is kind of bland and doesn't taste good. And so what they figured out was they didn't need to put in internal seats in their restaurant. It's a whole, wholly drive-through model. And so they buy wholesale from uh, local farmers. They, it's a, drive through you can get smoothies you can get um salads things like that they have outdoor tables so they really thought about the drive through window which is working for people and flipped it a little bit on its head with the offerings that people wanted and so i thought that was 
that was a good way to think about this. Like, how can you innovate around something that's already working for these millennials that they want and for all of us, frankly, because that's the other thing we've talked about is it can't just be for the millennials. And sometimes if you design for the millennials, guess what? Everybody else likes it too. (laughs) So that's good too. Um, But if you have these ways that are working for your customers, think about, okay, what could we do within that framework that's already working to mix it up, to offer more, to make sure we're meeting the needs of the customers and future customers that we're going to have. And I thought that was a really great example of doing that with Salad and Go. No, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, sometimes the answer is not right in front of you, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what change like Applebee's and uh, Ruby Tuesdays, how they need to pivot to make that transition to get millennials into their restaurant because they don't want to lose what they have with their existing client. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this on numerous episodes, which is trying to cater to that new generation while still keeping your bread and butter, which can be really tricky, particularly in something like a restaurant where it's really hard. It's hard to be two things, right? Right. You can, I mean, Apple can have two different lines or a clothing, clothing, depending on the brand, but certain clothing Mm -hmm. brands can have a a line, you know, for, for us old people, Jeannie, (laughs) You know, and, and do a spinoff that's hip and young and has a different brand name, right? Uh, restaurants, uh, it'd be a little trickier. You can probably still do the same thing. But, you know, it's hard. So what about starter homes? So they're not buying starter homes now. What do you do with a house? Is it right. a rental now? Right. It's a it's a really good, well, maybe. I mean, they're, rent renting is up. Um, but you're right. They're not buying starter houses. They're waiting. They're being patient and buying the next house that they're going to live in a lot longer. Um, and so I think to your point though, that's a, that's a macro, there it is, a uh, macro question about real estate and how, what are we building and how are we transforming neighborhoods so that they are appealing and that they have value for people who live there. And I think that that's a good thing. Like we need to start thinking in these ways where it's not just about the house. It's about the ecosystem that the house is in. It's about the neighborhood. It's about the amenities. It's about community. It's about all of those things because they care about all of that. So it's never been about the thing, which is your point before. It's about the experience around the thing. And that's what I get excited about when I really think about it, because I think in any customer journey, any customer experience, you have to consider the ecosystem of the customer and how this fits into that. And that's where some of the brands, some of the industries that weren't keeping up, I think that's what they missed. They weren't really thinking about uh, how do we fit into their lives? They were thinking, hey, we're just going to offer a discount. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, take away desks, (laughs) which we talked about. Um, And I think it's more about, no, it's just, this is like one point in somebody's life. And you really do have to think about how does that whole ecosystem work together? And it's much harder work, frankly, because people have higher expectations. We don't want to go to the department store and hunt around and try to find a cashier that's open and all that. That's gone. So what can you do to innovate around that experience with what you have, which might be physical space? Well, should that be a warehouse now? And you just have people, you know, pick up what they need after ordering online. I don't know. But I think that that's where we have to go. We really have to think about that ecosystem and the experience of millennials. And I want to give a shout out to the millennials. 
because one of the last things we're going to mention is that they prefer paper towels to napkins. <laughs> I like that. I'm a paper towel. I, I hardly ever use napkins. We're informal around here. I mean, obviously we have company or something like that, but I don't grab napkins normally. So I feel young, Jeannie. Yeah, that one, I I can't get behind that one. Really? Are you, a tra- you use I, traditional napkins, like just like for I breakfast like, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. We, we When we set the table, we always put napkins out. And napkins per use are much cheaper than paper towels. But they're not multifunctional. You see, if I spill something, I can pivot right there on the spot without leaving. <laughs> you see? And that's what they say. Paper towels are more functional than napkins and can be used yeah. for more purposes. Quotes the article. And now, paper towels you can you can basically tear off into napkin size, which wasn't always the case. My wife hates those. By the way, I don't mind them. <laughs> I like options, Jenny. But you know, before I just felt like I was really gauche by not using a napkin. But now I know I am a millennial trendsetter. You're just young and hip. Exactly. That's what I always say about you. <laughs> That's what you always say about me. Well, you know, I mean, the good thing is. If you look, and it's hard to look for some of these things, but if you do look, if you do pay attention, you can try to spot these things ahead of time. And often you can Mm -hmm. see where the trend line's going and start to adapt and be ahead of that curve. Because whether it's the millennials or whatever, I can't even remember the Generation Z, what's after the millennials? Generation Z, which I've heard a few different names um, come up, but the latest one I heard was the Connecteds. Okay. Well, you know, whatever it is, every generation is going to bring their own sort of macro mm-hmm. trend lines, right? We Absolutely. did, but we were a small generation. The millennials are a big generation, which is why it matters so much more. Right. Uh, but every generation is right. going to do this. So you always got to be ready to evolve and change. And here's the thing. That pace of change is just brutally fast now. That's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. You, you don't mm-hmm. have time uh, to see the yeah. trend lines. The trends can shift in just a matter of months or years sometimes. And that mm-hmm. is where I think uh, the innovation and the forward thinking is really important. Amen. Drop the mic. So forward think out there. Drop people. the mic. For- forward think. <laughs> forward think. Yes. <laughs> well, cool. All right, Jeannie. I think we covered this well. Well, I'm glad you do. We hope you do too. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, the audience does, but we can't really hear from them at this point. Humble brag. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us at Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, check out C-Suite TV, in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs. It's all on demand at csuitetv.com. And make sure you learn more about Adam and his customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. And make sure you check out Jeannie's course at LinkedIn Learning and her blog at, I don't have to spell it, cxcontent.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.